You've heard of BetaShares. You've probably seen the logo on our podcast. You might even be among their 1 million investors. So you can imagine that I'm delighted to say BetaShares is the official ETF partner of the Australian Finance Podcast. With nearly 100 exchange-traded funds, you can go to betashares.com.au and immerse yourself in ETFs and unique insights covering all of the sectors, themes, core and satellite positions you could want. Think cybersecurity through the Hack ETF, robotics and AI with the RBTZ ETF, and uranium with the URNM ETF. The list goes on. To explore the BetaShares ETF range, visit betashares.com.au, read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website, and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Is there a Spotify wrapped for investing? If you want to invest in shares or ETFs, our friends at Perla are more than one step ahead of the curve. On average, people who use Perla invest $1,750 every month. That's what we want to see, proper dollar cost averaging. With automated investing tools making your life simple, Perla investors have well and truly mastered the art of investing small bits lots of times. So if you're ready to start growing your net worth in 2024, follow the link in your Spotify or Apple podcast player right now to discover how you can get started today. Welcome to the Australian Finance Podcast, a podcast for people who want to learn more about their personal finances and get the most from their money. This series is hosted by Kate Campbell from How To Money and Owen Raskovich from Rask Finance. The Australian Finance Podcast is provided for educational purposes only. The information is general in nature and does not take into account your needs, goals or objectives. What that means is the information does not apply to you specifically. So consider getting the advice of a licensed and trusted professional before acting on the information. Hi, Owen. Welcome back to the Australian Finance Podcast. Thanks, Kate. It's wonderful to be here. Yes. What are we talking about today? Our favorite topic, which is index funds, exchange traded funds, and managed funds. Cool. So we've talked about these a little bit in the past. Yep. But we're just going to go into a little bit more detail. Yep. What they are, how they work, and why you might like to look into them more. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay, so let's just start off with a neat quote, which is this person says, I have enough money to retire and live comfortably for the rest of my life. The problem is I have to die next week. And that's a joke because it means that like these people, this person wasn't prepared and they've got enough money, but uh, it's going to run out pretty quick as soon as they stop having an income coming yeah. in. So, the lessons from these, this episode is hopefully going to be uh, structured or they're going to be structured in a way that uh, hopefully that's not you and your money can, you'll grow wealth quickly, yeah. as quickly as possible, but over a long time and then you'll have enough to hmm. maybe retire comfortably. So, get rich slowly. Get rich slowly or just get rich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> don't try, yeah. Don't even try to do it quickly. Just try and get rich. That yeah. should be the first goal. Okay. So, why should someone start investing? Now, well, I think investing is good for everyone to think about, and it's there's so many simple ways to get started, which we'll be talking about in this episode. It doesn't have to be complicated at mm. all, and you can put steps in place now to make sure you have a really comfortable retirement and ease those challenges that you face throughout life. Um, whether that be you're investing now and then when you want to buy a house in 10 years' time, you've built up enough wealth to be able to do that comfortably or um, 
you want to make sure you don't have to rely on the government system when you reach retirement age because who knows what they'll have changed by then. Mm. Um, But investing is really important to build wealth over time and make sure you've got enough for everything that life throws at you. Mm. And so we're talking about retirement, but it's not just retirement, is it, I suppose? You don't have to be... 50, 60 odd to no. get the benefit of it. What about what would you say to someone who says they don't have enough? Well, I think you can start investing. There's apps now for five dollars. So mm. um, you've talked about them in the past. Yeah. yeah. So it's um, you can invest through brokers, which is where you can buy and sell shares and exchange traded funds from as little as five hundred dollars in some cases. Mm. Um, so it's not really an excuse mm. anymore. Um, the barriers to entry have never been lower. And it's easy easy to get started. Mm, cool. I think there's a quote that says uh, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Yeah. One of uh, the little case studies or little scenarios that we just did or we just put together was used one of the calculators, which you can access on our site or on the Money Smart site. And would say our site, I mean the Rest Finance site, there's a compound interest calculator there. Mm. And just done a little example of someone that saves $50 a week to invest and they invested at 10% per year. And they do that for 30 years. And the question is, how much would you have? So $50 a week, 10% return, 30 years. And the answer is around about $428,000. So 50 bucks a week. Yeah, It's not a lot for some people. It is for others, but it's not a lot. Uh, so what we have there, we've got the amount that you're saving. Yep. That's the, the 50 bucks. We've got the, the return that you're getting, which is 10%, which is reasonably high, especially if you have to think about tax, but 10%. And then you've got time, which is 30 years. So, those are like the three ingredients. Yeah. How much do you save to invest? What return do you get? How long do you let it work? Mm. And those are the things. And if you and half a million dollars can drastically change your life. Well, that's it. And this time. is this is only uh, this one example. You might, if you're yeah. if you're doing this, you might also have super, which would be saving probably that amount or more. Yeah. If you're working, so that's the compulsory savings from your employer. Yep. Essentially, we've done an episode on that. And then you would also have probably a, a property, yeah. like a home that you live in. So there's that. So there's it's not just this is not your only mm. re- retirement or nest egg, but if you were this just saving 50 bucks a week and you just did it rain, hail, or shine, you would be left with a pretty good lump of cash. But one of the things, and particularly if there's a young person listening to this, so 20s or even younger, yeah, it's pretty hard to think like 30 like years ahead. 30 right? years is a long time away. Like Anything could happen. Hmm. Um, but I think putting just a simple plan, even if it's just $50 a week right now, into place, nothing too complex. Um, and it could really drastically change your life in 30 years' time. And I've... I've talked to people on both ends of the spectrum. So people who started investing in their 20s and 30s and have a really different lifestyle now that they can live comfortably in retirement. And then people who never invested, never just Mm. for whatever circumstances or different circumstances, but then they are now having to live on the pension. So it's really different ends of the spectrum. And I think um, you can change your circumstances, especially if you're starting out in your 20s, you have a lot of chance opportunity now Mm, that's a great point you know it's we've talked about being an owner of the economy as opposed Mm. to um, letting it own you and run your life it's having that control of your money and your destiny Uh, one of the questions that we had come through on the podcast already which was 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 about building wealth from the share market yeah and the person had an investment property but they didn't own their own home they didn't live they weren't an own occupier and the question was effectively can you build wealth even this person was in their 50s and the answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. Even though we say 30 years, it doesn't matter if you've got 10 years or 20 yeah. years, it's still relevant, right? Mm. It's never too late to start. And 
And have- I think that's the important thing, just get started. It can seem really scary and nerve-wracking, but once you've learnt the basics and you understand what you're doing, just give it a shot. Mm. It's funny. I run another podcast called the Investors the Australian Investors Podcast, and um, I ask them, the guests in the show, what what is their number one lesson if they could go back and tell themselves when they were younger and that's just to start? Yeah. And it's a huge thing, right? It's- yeah. And yeah, you're going to make, you'll probably make some mistakes at the start. I, I certainly have, and I'm still making mistakes. But if you, if you do it yourself, you actually learn from those mistakes and you can change the way you do things. And like 30 years is a long time. So you can make mistakes and change course and change your investment strategy. Um, but you can just, if you, as long as you keep putting some money away every week, every mm. month, uh, and that nest egg slowly grows in the background while you're working, traveling, living life. Mm. Two of the reasons why people would invest are dividends and distributions, and you get those from each of the things that we're talking about in yeah. this episode, which is index funds, ETFs, and managed funds. And then you've got capital growth, so the increase in value, right? So if you were invested in, say, a managed fund, so let's say you put $20,000 in to one that you find, mm. you would expect to receive some sort of check or direct deposit or how does that work? Yeah, so I, most managed funds that I seen, have seen will pay you a distribution usually once yearly mm-hmm. um, and you have an option. You can either reinvest that money back into the, the fund, your investment, um, so that just grows in the background. You won't receive any money in your bank account but it just keeps growing and compounding or you can have the money paid out into your bank account if you've got a better use for it or some people often are living off those distributions from funds and exchange traded funds. Yeah, so it might pay 2 or 3% just yeah. as an example. And I then- think at a, I mean, I do it for quite a few of my investments. I just reinvest the distributions um, or the dividends back into the fund or ETF um, so it just ticks along in the background because I don't need to live off that income mm. while I'm working. Right, okay. And we actually, before I jump ahead, just so people know what a managed fund is, it's just yep. where you give someone some money. Like you don't give it to them, but yeah. you say, professional investor, yep. here's $10,000. So you, for some reason, whatever they've done, you think they have better skills than you to manage your money mm-hmm. um, or they might have a way to access a different market, whether that be the international stock market, um, maybe property and infrastructure. So you can access and do something better than you can with your money. And so you're paying them a management fee to do that um, and then hopefully they're going to outperform the benchmark that they set. Okay. So when we talk about um, managed funds and ETFs, what we're saying is that you effectively, you as a personal investor, you are just putting your money with another organization like a company or an individual professional and they do it for you, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like instead of buying individual shares yourself, you just send them the money and then they do it. Yeah, and it increases your diversification as well because if you only have a small amount of money, um, if you're just buying one share, mm. then that your risk is all in that one share, tied up with that one share. But if you can buy an exchange trader fund or invest in a managed fund, then you're exposed to everything that's inside that investment. Okay, so that would be a pretty helpful way for some people to invest who yeah. don't have the time or the curiosity to really go and bow yeah. and do their own and thing. especially right. if you're not that interested in finance, if you're not in the industry, if you've got better things to do with your life um, than nerd out over specific stocks, um, those products can be a good way to invest in a whole range of different stocks and asset classes without having to do too much digging into individual products. Okay, cool. So we talked 
we talked a bit about ETFs in another episode, didn't we? Yeah. So the way you'd buy a managed fund is you'd effectively find the one you want, fill out the PDS or like the paperwork. Yeah, there'll be an application form. They'll check your ID and all that sort of stuff and yeah. they'll tell you where to send the money. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yes. And with an ETF, you would use a share broking account, right, to buy that? Yeah, so um, you, they a lot of financial institutions offer them. There's also um, separate broker accounts so it's just a way they're usually free to set up and then once you put the money in the associated bank account or set up that you can buy your exchange traded fund on the market and then you own x amount of units in that fund right okay so that's all making sense now there's you know, we've talked about super as well that's another mm. option that people have that yeah mandatory or you can put extra in if you want yeah. to if i'm not mistaken you invest a few different ways, but one of the ways you do it is through something called a robo-advisor. Yeah. So, can you explain to listeners what that is? Yeah. So, the robo-advisor I use actually um, invests in a handful of different exchange-traded funds and a a real estate investment trust, which we mentioned in the previous episode. Um, But the experts are selecting the exact percentage in each Mm. fund and the exact funds to use, and they're managing my money for me. So, the Exchange traded funds and real estate investment trusts are still in my name, but I'm not executing the buys and sells of this. Right. So you don't have to. It's even maybe it's even easier than an ETF. You don't have to pick say three or four ETFs. You could just yeah go to this one robo advisor. Yeah. Which is actually people that put yeah. So yeah. they there's an investment committee there and they make their decisions on which exchange traded funds to build this diversified portfolio. I've told them my risk profile um, and then they make the decisions. They set up the brokerage account for you. They set up the cash management account. So they do all the heavy lifting for you. The only thing you have to do is give them money and they take a management fee for that. So that's another fee on top of the fees that the exchange trader fund itself charges. So we'll get to fees in a minute, but effectively you can invest in shares or whatever like a diversified portfolio. Yeah. And you, you just visit one of these robo-advisors and you put in who you are, what you earn, your yeah. risk profile, you answer some questions and then they set up the account for you. Yep. All right. And then you can just pay money in or is yeah. it through a deposit or something yeah, like that? Yeah. So, just transferred money into that. So, um, right. sort of off the calculations I ran at this stage, um, it's more cost-effective for me, but down the track, it might be more cost-effective for me to do it myself. But... Um, as I'm getting started and just at that entry level, I've, mm-hmm. this is a solution that I've chosen for myself. So what you mean is that when, when you're starting out, it's good to just maybe consider handballing some of the responsibility to one of these low-cost providers. Yeah, it could be. Um, if you, I know you have the exchange-traded fund portfolio where you have three mm-hmm. that make up that. But um, yeah, so there's different. Often it's good to look at someone else's layout, just getting started on working out what is the best exchange traded fund to use? Because there's so many out there. It can get pretty daunting mm. um, when getting started. There's a few big names in Australia that most people gravitate towards. Um, but also it's just sort of when you're getting started, there's so many things to consider that sometimes it can be easier to get someone else to sort of direct you in the right. Okay. So like if I was, let's bring it home. So if I was, if I had no, my investment portfolio was worth zero Yeah, and- I have $2,000 and I want to invest that. Effectively, these robo-advisors, instead of having to pick individual shares, yeah. which may I might get wrong because I'm new, and instead of having to pick individual ETFs and go through the rigmarole mm. of opening a, an account, like a brokerage account, yeah. 
I could, even easier than that again, I might just be able to put that, I might be able to get a robo-advisor, which is really just this committee of people that make decisions and then yeah. I put in and they execute it, the answer questions on a website. Yeah. And then I just deposit the money effectively. Yeah. Okay. So, that is right. one way to do it. Um, some of them have higher minimum starting amounts than 2000 So What are we talking about? Uh, 10000 Okay. I know some of them have 5000 Right. So, but, okay. So, then yeah. I suppose that's, you know, what which one do you want, right? Like, yeah. But if you do some ETFs. research and there's even exchange-traded funds that track the whole world yeah. now. And um, I think you were showing me one the other day that actually has a bit – it's pretty much a diversified portfolio in itself. Yeah. Um, so, there are options out there that you can get started just with the $500 and do it yourself and pay no one any fees except yeah. the provider of the exchange-traded fund. Okay. So, that's interesting. That's the way that you've gone about it. Yeah. I would differ slightly. How do I say it? But <laughs> I I would buy an ETF straight away. Hmm. That's what I would do. And the way I'd do that is I'd open a share broking account, which allows you to buy ETFs or shares Yep. and a few other things. And then I would buy an ETF and an exchange-traded fund because it, it's just like you buy one thing and it gives you exposure to a whole range of things. Yeah. If you've got 500 bucks or $2,000, you could put it all in one or you could put it in a few different ones because there's minimums normally $500. Yeah. So, you could you know, do some research or pay someone to do it for you and then you could um, pick the three that you want and just click buy yep. in your brokerage account. And like I take your point about the robot advisors. I think it's a really good way to do it. Mm. But I also think if, if you have to save the $10,000, it's going to keep a lot of people yeah. out. And because, you want to get in if yeah. you can as quickly as possible. Yeah, that's it. I mean, and the thing is you are learning again. Yeah. You know, you're going to make mistakes, etc. But if you do it, it I think it, if I was new today, the way I'd probably do it is I'd go to an ETF mm. provider. Like I'd, I'd learn about the ETFs. Yeah, look, their websites have full education sections now. Mm. So, there's... And we've got some stuff that yeah. we'll, we'll put in the show notes, of course. There'll be heaps of information there. And we've talked about them before in Investing 101. I would probably put – I'd consider putting money in an ETF mm. and then I'd go another ETF and another ETF. Yeah. And then over time, uh, I would probably look at maybe incorporating individual shares or going to a robo-advisor or, you mm. know, just changing it up. Because yeah. if you go from, say, zero to $20,000 – you're going to make mistakes in that time, but at the same time, yeah. you don't have too many options until you get to that kind of $20,000 yeah. mark because a lot of these managed funds have minimums like yeah. 10000 20000 And you, if you put it all in one of them, then you're exposed to only one. Yeah. Whereas ETFs are a really good way to do it. Um, I'm sure over time these robo-advisors will yeah. bring, bring down the minimums as they get bigger, but they're still pretty new. And it's still the brokerage in Australia is still quite high. Yeah, um, still pay like ten dollars yeah, for every so brokerage in the US is so much cheaper than mm. um, in Australia. So that is one thing that does affect um, sort of your returns. If you are wanting to add in small amounts every month, the brokerage can add up, which is can be a bit nasty. Mm. And what we mean by brokerage is like when you use your share brokerage account and you buy something, it might be ten bucks to buy in a parcel of investments, like an, yeah. one ETF or one share. And that's automatically deducted. Yeah, so. so there's fees in that brokerage going off to the Australian Stock Exchange. There's fees going to all sorts of different places. But it's sort of the administration and the middleman fee for actually executing that purchase or sale. Yep. Okay. So we've talked about the options there. And that we've, once again, you can go to CanStar or any of those other comparison sites to learn more about brokerage mm. accounts. We've got some information we'll put in the show notes too, of course. 
One of the things that Warren Buffett says, and this is tying back to our lessons at the beginning of this episode, is that the stock market is a device for transferring money from the impatient to the patient. Mm -hmm. So the people that want to get rich quick to the people that are just happy to get rich. It doesn't doesn't matter how long. If you're putting your $50 a week just for every week for a year, it's not going to change your life. But over 30 years, it can change your life exponentially. Mm. One of the times when this happens and it's very obvious, is when there's people that are clearly focused on the short term yeah. and it goes to people, the money goes to the people that are focused on the long term is when there's a market crash. Mm. And that's when prices might fall by 10 20%, 30% in a year, maybe yeah. even more. And what happens is the people who are focused are really impulsive and don't have that regimented savings plan and investing plan, they'll panic and they'll sell. Yeah. And what they're doing is they're selling at the worst possible time <laughs> because they think it's – you know, this is the worst thing ever. The world's going to explode. XYZ country is invading XYZ country, like blah, blah, blah. There's so many things to think about. Yeah. But what's I found this fascinating when I did a bit of research on this is that on average, and I think this comes from a Deutsche Bank, so investment company yeah. did this study and they found that the share market corrects on average every 357 days or once a year. So if you think about that, once a year, you can expect something bad to happen. Yeah. Right, on average. It doesn't and, happen. And some people see that as an opportunity to right. add some additional funds to their investments. That's right. So if you were the person that was here building up an ETF portfolio for the first time, you've got to be prepared that if that's going to happen. You know, this is going to happen. But don't be the one that then goes, oh my God, the world's going to explode yeah. and everything's. And it does sound pretty scary, yeah. especially when you don't know what you're doing, but it's important to stay the course here. Yeah. And this comes back to what we said at the start of the episode, which was there's three things the amount mm-hmm. that you save. So you're starting with whatever balance, the return that you get, and how long do you have to invest? If you just if you deny yourself any of those three, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. So one of the things is if you just sell out, well, then you're never going to be able to compound your money because it's not being able to. You're not giving yeah. it the opportunity. And there's repeat offenders who just keep selling out, investing at the top of the market, selling mm. it out at the bottom, just because they never sort of understand that concept that there is market volatility and the market will go up and it will go down mm. and you have to be prepared to ride it all out. Mm. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. So that's what we call, you know, that's market crash. It's about as bad as it gets. Mm. But it's my philosophy is prepare for the worst, expect the best. Yeah. And so if you go back 30 years and you take the share market's performance from then till today, on average you'll find that it's grown at a rate of say between 8 and 12%, somewhere yeah. in there. And in that time we've had... September 11, the dot-com crash, the Asian crisis, that was a bit earlier. Uh, We had the global financial crisis, Donald Trump getting elected. Uh, We've had all of our Australian prime ministers who are just- Possibility of Brexit. Brexit. um, We've had wars, Iraq war. We've had um, the Shire was on Channel 10 that was aired. Can you believe that? Like These are just like the worst things that could have happened. Yeah. In the world, and all jokes aside, the share market has still grown, still performed well, right? Even though there are times when things had fallen 50 or 60%. Yeah. You know what? Prepare for the worst, but be optimistic about the future because bad things are going to happen, but that's okay. You know, the world isn't as bad as people think. And, you know, you could say the same thing right now that there's a whole heap of things to worry about, but just be positive. Yeah. And if you go to Vanguard's website, which is an ETF provider, name drop, if you go to Vanguard, uh, there's a real cool chart, and we'll link to it in the show notes. That you and, can, and you can order one and stick it on your wall as well. That's right. I okay. may or may okay. not have done that. 
Oh, cool. So you can so there's a chart there that you can get, and you can put in like different time frames, and you can see how the share market has performed yeah, versus and how like each property asset class has done as well. Yeah, and you can even put like the U.S. presidents, you can put Australian prime ministers, yeah. you can put all different types of like little things on there, and then it shows you all the different outcomes. Yeah, and no matter what, from left, from bottom left to top right, the share market and all the other markets t- tend to do better. Yeah. And that's because the world's just getting better. Yeah. Right? And that chart, if you are still thinking that cash is king, that chart really illustrates the difference over sort of like the last many decades of how cash has performed versus the Australian, versus mm. the US, versus the global share market as yep. well. So that's A interesting really as well. Yeah. So if don't you- take our word for it. <laughs> just go and look at that yep. chart and it will change yep. your world. Okay. So one of the things we touched on earlier on is about fees. Mm. The fees are typically coming down across the industry. And we did this example at the beginning of the show, which was say fifty dollars a week, which is pretty reasonable. Yeah. You invest it, you get a, you get a ten percent return, and that's not excluding mm. like that's after fees, so it's a pretty good return. It may not yeah. may or may not be achievable, but anyway. And then you do that for thirty years, and we mm. said that you come out with four hundred twenty-eight thousand. Yeah. Right. We just did another example using the same calculator, but we did the same thing, but with one percent in fees. So instead yeah. of paying, instead of returning ten percent, you return nine percent. Right, yep. it's a very small difference in the face of it. Right, you think oh, one percent of fees, I think got five thousand dollars invested. Bugger all. Well, under the same scenario, that four hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars becomes three hundred fifty-five. Yeah. So all of a sudden, you're paying one percent in fees, but you're getting seventeen percent less at retirement yeah. or whatever this goal is that you have for yourself after thirty years. So the point here is that the smallest, smallest little difference can have a huge impact down the line. Yeah. And the way I think about that is. Imagine like if you have a set of binoculars and you're looking a long way away at your financial goal, might be retirement or whatever. If you tilt those binoculars down or you shake a little bit, you're going to be looking at something totally different to what you were looking at in the distance. And that's the way I think about it is that if you just make a tiniest little change, it can have a huge impact on what you're actually looking at. And it's the money smart calculator. You can actually compare two different interest rates side by side. So put 7% and then take out take off your 1% fee, put 6% and actually see the difference between mm. what you might have in 30 years with 7 and what you might have with 6. And that really sort of illustrates the point of how nasty high fees can be over. It might not look like anything in a year. You might, oh, that's hardly anything. But over 30 years, massive. Yep. And they don't they don't send you a bill. You just, it just it's all automatic. Taken. All these fees all are automatic. automatic. So you don't, if you got served a bill for a, a thousand, ten thousand dollars just in fees, you'd probably go, What am I actually getting out of these yes. fees? You yeah, would question it. But because right. you don't get a bill, because it's not really highlighted how much you're actually paying in fees, you, you don't notice it. Mm, absolutely. Until it's too late. So there's a from the British comedian John Oliver, he said, Think of fees like termites. They're tiny, they're barely noticeable, and they can eat away at your fluffing future. Yeah. And that's fluffing is obviously I put that in there. Redacted was the word I should have used. So they can eat away at your future. And that's true. They're like termites. They just take little bits lots of times and you don't even notice it. So, yeah. And sometimes people end up paying higher fees for active fund managers or ETFs because they might be claiming to outperform the market or trying to do something really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, or there's just some very fancy ETFs now that you can get that are doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things. But um, I guess that comes down to sometimes being happy with average performance of the market and not being too greedy. Mm. Um, sometimes 
these active fund managers can entice you in by greed and you're thinking, oh, I'm going to get 20% return, so I'm happy to pay 2% fees. But over 30 years, they're probably not going to outperform the market. That's right. We still hear – so what I want to clarify there is active. Yeah. So the difference between active and passive and average. So people who invest professionally, such as myself – we claim that we can pick individual shares or businesses and then own those shares for a longer period of time and we can do better than what you would do if you were investing in index fund, yeah. which is an index fund just tracks the market. So like the ASX 200, the Dow Jones, what, whatever you see on the news, that's normally the average. Yeah. So when we talk about averages in the share market, we talk about the ASX 200, the Dow Jones. And what you find is all of the studies that have been done are based on those types of averages, yeah. not like what's the average of all these shit, different share prices, What yeah. actually what those averages are, are the ASX 200 and all the rest of it. Anyway, so what we've, what studies have found is that, especially recently, is that about 70 to 90% of people that actively invest, like professional investors, do worse than those averages. Yeah. So if you think about that, there's a 70 to 90% chance that you're going to do worse than average, right? Mm. And people don't really understand, but a lot of that has to do with fees, yeah. And sometimes the people that pick the shares for you are just terrible at what they do. Yeah. It's just reality. So there's always going to be some laggards, but then there's going to be fees that yeah. detracting from and the often, future. And often active funds will underperform the benchmark by their fees. That's right. Because yeah. they're 1% or 2%. Yeah. And that's 1% or 2% extra that professional has to be better. Yeah. It's just to make up for their own costs. So we're seeing fees come down, but this is an issue with managed funds. Uh, it's less so with ETFs because they're mm. mostly uh, index funds. They're not active. Yeah, but there are active. There are active ETFs. Funds so you have to be careful. Yeah. yeah. So you just know what you're buying before you buy it, um, because the active ETFs will be following an actively managed strategy, and they'll often charge you a higher fee to do so. Yeah. So what we're saying is, when you invest in an ETF, don't just go and just throw a dart a dartboard yeah. of names. Actually, look at what they do. Find the fees. Yeah. Like. It's my opinion, but anything over, say, if in, in, in an ETF, anything over 0.5% or what we call 50 basis points, yep. 0.5% is too much. You don't need to spend that amount of money. And if you want the ASX 200, but for some reason you buy an active ETF, that's you're not getting the ASX 200. Yeah. You're getting some actively managed strategy. So if you want to see the performance of the ASX 200 reflected in your portfolio, mm. what Kate's saying is that, an active investor doesn't do that, yeah. whereas an index investor or passive investor does do that. So yeah. there's it's important distinction. I've got a video that I've done on the RAS Finance website for this if you want to know more about the differences between the two. But just remember that index is normally what you see on the news and active is it, whereas individual is picking and choosing yeah. what's good. But the statistics are stacked against them. Okay, so we've covered a few things. Kate, let's just go action points. Yeah. So, how do we actually invest in exchange-traded funds, managed funds, and index funds? Mm. So, exchange-traded funds are probably the quickest once you have a brokerage account set up. Mm-hmm. Um, once you've set that up, you can just go in and buy them. It's just like, like buying button. anything else online. Um, just say how many you want and what price you want to pay for it um, and then execute your order. Yep. And then... Uh- RoboAdvisor, you would go to their website. You'd find the yep. RoboAdvisor you want. I advise you to do some reading about that. Yeah. RoboAdvisor, maybe get some reviews. And then uh, you could just fill out the forms yep. as requested, as when prompted. 
And then once again, just like the, with the share brokerage account, you you deposit money, yep. I imagine. Yep. And then fund manager. if you manage funds, just going through the fund manager, sometimes they might use a third-party administrator. So they'll all have similar application forms where you will have to fill in declarations and say you agree to the product disclosure statement and those sort of things. Um, they'll have to do identity checks, but um, then you just transfer the money and they'll issue yep. you units. So that's on the fund manager's website? So you go, yeah. Yep, okay. And so all, every, every product should have detailed information on their website about the fees they charge, what they invest in, what their scope is, how much they'll invest in X amount of product share. All and that's those in the sort of things. PDS, is that right? Yeah, and that should be in the product disclosure statement as well. Yep. So you can, if you're confused, you can just go, you can Google and then insert the name of the thing that you're yeah. trying to invest in and then PDS and it should come up with like a, yeah. a PDF. Though I have seen some robo advisors actually can issue a statement of advice instead of a product disclosure statement. So that's okay, one so thing. Similar, to keep something in mind. similar. Just yeah. call them if you're confused. Yeah. And super, you can invest in, we've talked about this, but just quickly, you can. B pay money in. Yeah. Yep. And some really low cost super funds don't do actually use exchange traded funds themselves. So well, there you go. So yeah. they're just doing it for you. Mm. Um and index funds are pretty much the same as managed funds. Yep. Just apply on their website. But you can do it through an ETF if you want to. It's probably easier. Okay, so other action points going back over the episode. Um key takeaways are start now. Yep. Um unless yeah. you want to retire next week. <laughs> or die yeah. next week, and, I should say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a long term. It's a long-term play yep. um, and you have to be ready to ride out the volatility up and downs of the market and you need to be able to be comfortable with that. And that's mm-hmm. why it's a good idea to start small because you can build your confidence and learn as you go. So every $50 you invest, you can learn a bit more about investing and build your confidence up. So once it's five years down the track and you've got maybe 10 or 20, 30,000 invested, you're a lot more confident about mm-hmm. how the stock market works and where your money is actually invested in. Cool. And one thing to remember is that the share markets and most markets, just not just shares, do crash and they yep. do correct. Yeah. And it's going to happen. So just prepare for it as best you can. Emergency cash balances, blah, blah, blah. Long-term strategies. Yeah. And I think the last one is always, always, always look at the fees of whatever you're investing mm-hmm. in. And I think that applies to any service or product in the finance industry. Um, you always look at the fees before you invest and uh, have a look at the difference between multiple products and whether the higher fee you're paying is actually worth what you might be getting from it. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, questions, they can come to the rastfinance.com. Yep. And website. I'm on Twitter at How to Money Australia. So we'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback, suggestions or questions for mm-hmm. future episodes. Absolutely, we would. All right, Kate, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Thank you very much, Owen. Are you thinking about starting your wealth creating journey, but not sure where to put your hard-earned dollars? InvestSmart can help. InvestSmart offers a free quiz that makes it easy to find the right InvestSmart ETF portfolio to help you reach your goals. Just visit investsmart.com.au and hit get started. Answer a few simple questions about your goals and how much you want to invest, and you'll get a tailored statement of advice with a portfolio recommendation. You can visit investsmart.com.au for a no-obligations free statement of advice. This ad is brought to you by InvestSmart Advice, AFSL 334107. 
For more than a decade, I've been hunting for the best investors and their methods, strategies, and tools for investing. After years in the industry, countless books, a few degrees, and 1,000 podcasts and live shows, I've rolled this accumulated knowledge into something called Rask Invest. If you've ever heard me talk about a core and a satellite, active and passive, true long-term compounding, or you simply want to know exactly how I would invest, now is your chance. Rask Invest is our new investment service, designed for all types of investors who want professional management of their core portfolio at a low cost from a team they trust. Rask Invest helps you automate your wealth creation and passive income. Simply click the link that says Invest with Owen in your podcast player to join one of our live platform walkthroughs or book a call with us. You can also view the Rask Invest PDS and TMD and get invested with me.